Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of season 1 of Nerding in the Deep. I'm Valerie. And I'm Carlos. And what are we talking about today? Oh well, I think we are talking about Harry Potter. You wanted to do that. Yeah, I'm so excited. Harry Potter is one of my favorite things to talk about. Well, yeah, I know that you could go hours and hours through that. Yeah, we won't bore people too much with it, though. A little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) So specifically today, we wanted to talk about the houses in Harry Potter. For those of you that don't know and have been living under a rock for the last 20 years, um, the four houses of Harry Potter are Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, Mm -hmm. Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. So Carlos, do you have a favorite house? Well, I do. I have to say I have two favorite houses. Oh, two? Yeah, two. So when I started reading it, edgy teenager me, I liked kind of like Slytherin Mm -hmm. because it's edgy, they are the bad guys, kind of like that. But by the time I have been growing up, I think that I have come very fond of Ravenclaw. And to be honest with you, 100%. When I do the tests, this kind of like... Yeah, the Pottermore w- ones. Pottermore, yeah. or which house are you, or whatever. It always gets confused. Sometimes it gives me a Slytherin, and sometimes it gives me Ravenclaw. But so, I'm, I'm happy with both. So, you're a Slytherclaw? I'm a Slytherclaw, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, for me, I've always been drawn to Ravenclaw. Because you're a smarty pants. <laughs> because I'm a smarty pants. Um, I, we have done a mil- I've done a million tests, uh-huh. all Ravenclaw. I even was at a Harry Potter convention once Uh and they had like this fake sorting hat person that would just kind of randomly assign you a house. Uh Still got Ravenclaw. That's destiny. Yeah, so I think I am 100% pure Ravenclaw. <laughs> okay, that, that that would make sense, yeah. If you were going through the sorting ceremony, do you think you would get Slytherin or Ravenclaw? What do you think? I don't know. We can we can talk about that later once we talk about um, what we think is the main clues of the sorting hat and, and the ceremony. Because I think there's a lot there to analyze. You think it's check. M- more complex than we yeah, think? Yeah, I think it's more complex. Uh, first of all, before kind of like going deep into the analysis, kind of like the houses and the personalities of some characters, I just wanted to bring my kind of like literature nerd. It's Carlos's literature moment. Yeah. What right. are you teaching us today? Yeah, so this, um, I have been searching on the internet. It doesn't have a real name. This narrative, we could call it technique. Uh, but I have seen some people call it as uh, tribalism, mm. and tribalism sounds interesting. And it's used a lot in in literature, in series, in movies. Uh, the thing about dividing characters in in different well houses or groups, like we have it in here in Harry Potter with the houses. We have it in the Lord of the Rings with the races. We have it in Game of Thrones with also the houses or families. So like in Divergent with the factions as yeah, well. Yeah, something okay. like that. Um, that's used to make the, the people that watches it, readers, watchers, whatever, uh, to engage with the series. Mm. or Because at the end, everyone wants to be portrayed into something, kind of like the, uh, the Zodiac. Yeah. For example, so it's kind of oh, I'm a Ravenclaw, oh, I'm a Slytherin, oh, I'm a Sagittarius or Capricorn, yeah, something that. like that. Uh, I'm a Lannister or whatever. So it kind of gives a sense of belonging. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, we have to remember that Harry Potter, at least the first book, is for 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So if you follow this kind of a structure, you are telling the, tel- the 10 years old, more or less which personality are going to have each character because, you know, the the houses they belong. At the end, 
you're gonna have a very easy way of putting these are the good guys these are the bad guys at least for yeah. the beginning then we can see that it goes deeper but at least for the first book it can work very easily with that so it kind of lets our, the young readers know if you're coming across a Slytherin character for example they're probably a bad guy yeah, but as we are going to check here, kind of like it goes deeper into that. That's kind of like the nerdy narrative literature thing. Uh, that now that we have talked about that, I had a question for you. Okay. So what do you think? Kind of like the sorting hat ceremony. Yeah. It is something that at the end the sorting hat uh, selects because they see some values on you. Or it is something more active not passive like for example where we can see with harry potter that he uh, at the end he kind of chooses yeah, his own house he, he chooses his own house yeah i think it's it's a mixture to be honest a lot of people will argue that the sorting hats decision is based on potential so you might have the potential for something and never live up to it a really good example of that for example is peter pettigrew oh we're going strong now. We're going strong. Um, so Peter Pettigrew, not particularly brave. In no, fact, not really. Especially in the books, he is probably what you could call a true coward. Yeah, he is. Kinda. Yeah. He he betrays his friends, which is not very Gryffindor no. at all. Um, he's brave in a way and in, in that like he'll happily go and like kill muggles especially you yeah. could call that brave and that he's brave enough to commit the crime well at the end he's brave enough to be kind of like a double agent for Voldemort True. under the eyes of Dumbledore yeah kind of like brave although he's very afraid of Voldemort but kind of yeah but I think he's a character that really is a good example of the sorting hat seeing potential so maybe the sorting hat saw potential for him to be brave to be him to be chivalrous him to be loyal to his friends and all that kind of stuff but he just never actually achieved that potential okay my argument has always been that it's not about what traits you show uh-huh it's about the traits you value okay traits you value yeah okay which would be a good character that would have kind of like that personality or it, it would go through that well, I think one of the most obvious ones is Hermione Granger. Oh, Hermione for the Spanish people. No, no, it is Hermione. Okay. English author writing a book in English, it is Hermione. She, actually, I mean, she, in the end, had to actually put a piece in the book where Hermione explains how to say her name because so many people were mispronouncing She explained it to Victor Crumb, I think. She did. She did yeah. explain it to Victor Crumb. So when when we're reading a Spanish book with like a really hard Spanish name that I mispronounce, you can give out to me. I one. will remember this. But it is Hermione. Okay. Hermione <laughs> from now on. But guys, you know, Hermione is Hermione for no. the ones that you are from Spain. <laughs> but um, back, back to the, the sorting. Uh -huh. Now, she was almost uh, one of the hard decisions. There's a, there's a few. I forget the term for it, but there is a term for people um, who the sorting hat has trouble sorting. Delayers? Dela <laughs> Delay something. Um, but yes, sorting hat looked at Hermione and considered Ravenclaw, but uh -huh. landed up putting her in, in Gryffindor. Why do you think it was? Because we know I mean, Hermione is probably 
the smartest character in the she whole is series. Repeatedly called the brightest witch of her age. Yeah. Um, she's obsessed with academics and academic achievement, um, uh-huh. which is very classically Ravenclaw. That's all Ravenclaw. As far as far as I know, now I'm just hearing Ravenclaw. Yeah, very Ravenclaw. But if you look at it, there's a there's a very funny scene in in the first movie where you you see Rongo, she has to get her priorities straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, because her worst fear is being expelled. Yeah. But if you think about it, even despite that being one of her greatest fears, um, she completely breaks the rules for her friends. All the time. She follows Harry to almost his death. There is a beautiful scene that I think Emma Watson does really well in the Deathly Hallow films, where Harry comes to um, Hermione and Ron, and he has realized now that he's a horcrux and that Voldemort needs to kill him. He kind of says to Hermione that he he kind of felt that she knew that this is this is how it was going to go. And if you think of where Hermione is at that point, she's just kissed Ron, love of her life. She has her whole future ahead of her if they get through this battle. Yeah. Hermione turns to him as Harry kind of explains he's going to go to the dark uh, forest to his death. And she says, I'll go with you. And that is the moment that gets me crying in that film every time. This is a this is a girl, the brightest witch of her age, who's just gotten with the love of her life, and for her friend, she's willing to walk into the dark forest and be with him as he dies. So well, that's bravery and very courageous. Yeah. Very very Gryffindor. Very to be very Gryffindor, and even Ron abandons Harry and Hermione at one point, um, which was understandable. It's mm-hmm. it's a. Ron's really good at showing the human side. Oh, Ron is probably the most human character of all. That's why we people doesn't like him that much. But Hermione stays. She gives up her school career and graduating and all that to be with Harry. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that even though she has the classic traits of a Ravenclaw, she values friendship and bravery over the, the academic side of her. And and that makes complete sense. So so in the in the in this case you are telling or you are saying that Hermione was picked, she wasn't a Ravenclaw, although she could fit on Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. but she wasn't a Ravenclaw because at the end her values were more that she would sacrifice herself for her friends. She would be brave enough to break the rules and maybe even get expelled. Yeah. Uh, for for her friends. Yeah, which... and I think the Sorting Hat saw that potential in her and how mm-hmm. strong it was, and he knew that she was at heart a, a Gryffindor. That makes sense. Yeah. In this case, changing character, for example, we are going to keep on Gryffindor, mm-hmm. mm, but what do you think about, well, we have the main character, we have our main character, we have Harry. A lot of people says or defend that the Sorting Hat has some doubts on her putting Harry on Slytherin, because at the end, Harry has the soul, part of the soul of Voldemort. But do you think that's why he doubted? Or there's really a real basis on, on Harry Potter's personality to put him, or to have that doubt to be like, oh, I'm not sure if you, you would shoot in Slytherin. I think that what people tend to do with the Hogwarts houses is try to fit people into boxes. Uh-huh. Well, that's what they are for. That's what they're for. But really, if you look at it, everyone has the potential to be in every house. Uh-huh. Like, a lot of, like, Hermione, if we just said, had the potential to be in Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Um, you have someone like 
Percy Weasley, for example, who is quite ambitious. You could argue that he could have done well in Slytherin. To be honest with you, I know that all the Weasleys go to Gryffindor, but I see more Percy in Slytherin than I see him in Gryffindor. It is true, some people argue that at the end he was in Gryffindor because in the Battle of Hogwarts he comes back. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the potential. Yeah. But I think that that's more kind of like he learns the lesson more than the potential and at the end he almost left he his ambitiousness to get everything away he almost loses contact with her with his parents with his uh, siblings yeah. and for me personally uh, Percy Weasley would have been better in Slytherin then of course he does something brave which means goes back to his family and defends Gryffindor but at the end, being a Slytherink, of course, they are presented as the bad guys, but being a Slytherink doesn't have to be a bad thing. No, and, and that's kind of one of the only big downsides I see of Harry Potter, but I also see where it comes from. So for those of you who don't know, the author J.K. Rowling is British. Uh-huh. And there is a kind of mentality in like Britain and Ireland where things like vanity uh-huh. are bad. You, ha- you have to kind of... Being kind of humble at all times to be seen as a good person. Okay. I'll can give, you elaborate? I can give you like a very Irish example. Okay, Irish example. And also that will help for our people from other countries to learn a little bit about Irish culture. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many countries the store is in, but it's definitely grown. It's a store called Primark. Okay, but they don't pay us. They don't pay. We are not sponsored by Primark. And not by Disney+. Plus. We learned that already. <laughs> we learned that in the last episode. So um, Primark, for those who don't know, is basically a clothing slash home store that sells things quite cheaply. Yeah. Uh, Very popular with students, for example. Yeah. Um, In Ireland, we don't call it Primark. We call it pennies. I have no idea why. I think it's like a copyright thing. Something like that. But anyway, if you were to go into work one day, for example, and someone was like, oh my God, I love your dress. Where'd you get it? Nine times out of ten. People will be like, oh, pennies. Because if you dare say that it's from somewhere like pricier, it's an expensive thing or anything like that, you're seen as being quite vain. Okay, so then we learn maybe from coming back to Harry Potter again, just because this is not a fashion... Not a uh, fashion podcast. Yeah, vanity in this case is portrayed as a bad thing just because... Well, while vanity, of course, bringing it to the extreme... It's a bad thing, but I don't feel that vanity is a bad trait. No, per I se. mean it's you're like why not take pride in your in yourself and in your appearance? And I know we specifically said vanity, um, which isn't really a big Slytherin trait, but it's the same type of mentality for things like ambition and that want for power. The same kind of mentality in, and in the UK and selfishness. Where in Harry Potter, because these are traits of Slytherin, which is seen as kind of the evil house, it's kind of given that impression of these traits being bad, which I really disagree with. Like, of course, everything, like you said, having the extreme side can be bad. If you have too much power, it can go to your head and you can do horrible things. If you're too selfish and you're not giving, that's seen as quite morally wrong. But 
we all need to be ambitious if we want to get the career we want, for example, or the life we want. We all need to be a bit selfish to take care of ourselves because if we are constantly being people pleasers, which is a huge problem in yeah. Ireland, we're very big people pleasers. Well, in pleasers, Ireland and in the rest of the world. And in the rest of the world, um, like you're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do dislike and I, about the Harry Potter series is the fact that I feel like Slytherin's done a bit of injustice. I get that they're put like that so there's a very clear enemy from the get-go. Yeah. It, I see the use for it for the story ongoing, but like we we very rarely see like a positive Slytherin character. I have one. Oh, who is it? Slughorn. That is that is true. His he is ambitious. We see it. He likes to collect people, as Dumbledore put it. But it's quite harmless compared uh, to the other. And at the end, he's always in the uh, we could say in the side of the good. You yeah. know, of course, at the beginning. He doesn't want to share his stuff, but just because I I feel that he's very ashamed of what he Mm. has done because he gave Voldemort or Tom Reader uh, the kind of like the hints on on Horcrux. He feels guilty. Yeah, but he's probably the best Slytherin that is. That we see anyway. Yeah, because I'm not going to go deep into Snape. I think that Snape really deserves his own episode. He deserves his own episode, but... I'm just gonna give just a spoiler alert for the episode that we talk about Snape. For me, Snape is not a good person. He's I'm not gonna say he is evil. There are other characters that are more evil mm. than Snape. But just for the starters, for me, he's not a good person. I'm leaving it there. Not a good person, but a great character. Oh no, great character. Great character. And that's why he deserves an episode for himself. He does. I think that will be an interesting one. So look out for that one. Yeah. So you're talking about Ravenclaw and we are talking about characters that maybe don't belong mm-hmm. or they don't belong. Yes or no, it depends. But in, in this case, there's a, a very special Ravenclaw that appears in the second book that some people probably forgets about him. But some people would say that he doesn't belong in his house, which is Gilderoy Lockhart. Portrayed, by the way, by Kenneth Branagh, that was the director of the second movie. As I was saying in Thor, he's always portraying someone in his own movies. We're also not sponsored by Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) No, no. But if he wants to come here and talk about Shakespeare, we can. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Um, So for those of you that don't know, because it's not really emphasized in the books of the movies Gilderoy Lockhart was a Ravenclaw when he was in school Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have said that he would suit Slytherin better because he's quite ambitious and you know we know from uh, the second book he his moral compass isn't very straight. He's... Well, his moral compass is completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Even attacking children for getting his story right. Yeah, and I think there it's a very solid argument for yeah. for him probably being better suited to Slytherin. But I do get where the Ravenclaw comes from. So this is, again, something that's not really in the books or in the movies. I think it's Pottermore, really, that you would need to get this information. But... Um, Gilderoy Lockhart was the only um, wizard child born to his family. He was also the only boy. He had two... So he's an only born? No, he has two sisters and they're squibs. Ah, they are squibs. So for those that don't know, squibs are um, children born to parents who might have magical blood, but don't have any magical ability themselves. Okay. 
So he was kind of brought up with his mother telling him that he's the best and he's a genius. And he kind of went into Hogwarts expecting the same treatment. He expected to go in and everyone be wowed by his like amazing magical ability. And he you can tell from just hearing that, I think that he really valued that kind of whole genius role. And, and he was actually quite bright in school. He caused a lot of mischief. But he, he was quite bright. So I don't think Ravenclaw's the wrong house for him. Well, if you look at it like that, at the end, of course, it's what we were talking, no? At the beginning, we were talking a little bit about the potential. Mm. He had the potential of being a, a great mind of his time. At the end, he used it on the wrong way because we know that he became an idiot in everything, but in um, for uh, forgetting spells. Memory Me- charms. Memory, he memory charms. very, very... Forgetting spells, uh, memory yeah. charms. We understand each other. Yeah. Uh, he, he becomes a genius in that. Yeah, he's so in one, one of thing. the best. So bad that he, when his um, spell rebounds, he loses most of his memory. Mm-hmm. And very, he recovers slightly. We learn in the books uh, that he's in the same hospital as um, the Weasley's father, Arthur. Oh, yeah. um, and he's gotten to the point where he can write letters, but he really has very little memory of, of his life. So that means that at least he was effective. He was very effective. Yeah. That is true. Okay, I'm going to bring you another character because this is more, as, as you can see, guys, we are kind of like analyzing personalities of characters and also their houses, going deep if they really... I'm not going to say deserve, but if they really belong in those houses. So for me, one of the big, I would say one of the big situations or one of the big and one of the big characters that doesn't belong to the house it is, for me, in my opinion, it's Hagrid. Hagrid, a lot of people, well, you know, he's a Gryffindor or he was a Gryffindor and uh, a lot of people is okay with that, but if we learn a little bit about uh, Hufflepuffs, still haven't talked about the Hufflepuff house. Uh, if if we think about it, Hufflepuffs are very loyal, and they are also uh, kind of fond of kind of like nature and plants and all that stuff. And of course, we know that Hagrid just loves animals and. We have another big Hufflepuff with animals, which is Newt Scamander that, well, probably you know him more now because of the movies of Fantastic Beasts. But, well, he was mentioned several times in in the Harry Potter books, so not only in in the new movies. Mm -hmm. But, so, I see on on Hagrid kind of like a Newt Scamander, so I'm surprised that he's in Gryffindor. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would use the argument of, well, Gryffindors are loyal, which they are, but it's actually one of the main traits of Hufflepuffs as well. Because if you think about it, Hagrid is very loyal to Dumbledore and very loyal to Harry. He stands up for Dumbledore in every situation, even when everyone's against Dumbledore, Hagrid will always stick up for him he'll always do what Dumbledore tells him to do even if it lands him up in Azkaban mm-hmm. so he's a really wonderful friend and a really wonderful protector of um of Harry as he grows up yeah that's that's why I think that it's one of the characters that it was kind of like misplaced mm-hmm. of course if you have any any kind of character that you think that should belong on another house or if you are not you don't think that what we are saying it's right 
you can always try to write to us to our Twitter account and maybe we can have a small debate on that. It, it may be fun. Yeah, our Twitter is at NerdingDeep. So if you want to chat to us there, we're happy to hear your opinions. Yep, that's for sure. So those are probably characters that maybe or were misplaced or had the potential to be misplaced. I don't think Hagrid's misplaced, but I do see the argument. But, but a big potential. But that's that's the whole thing. That's what I kind of want to get at is that you can really fit into any house Mm -hmm. because a a lot of the traits are interchangeable plus you're no one is just in one box and yeah well that that's for sure um of course I think that it's kind of obvious but we are not going to the very obvious characters like Malfoy because I don't think that we could see him in oh well he's brilliant with potions but I don't think we could see him in another place. Than... I could, I could see the argument for him being in Ravenclaw because that again, a thing that's not focused on a lot. He actually was usually second to Hermione in most of the classes. Okay, I I knew that he was really good in potions. Yeah, I well, knew that. My is quite intelligent. Yeah. I, anyway, but he is kind of like the main uh, character to depict all the things mm-hmm. of a Slytherin. Even that vanity that you were saying, but yeah. he also has his his ambition. He wants power. Uh, he's a spoiled brat, uh, <laughs> and well, uh, I th- even there's argue one... the Gryffindors. There's a few spoiled brats in there too. That's completely true, and <laughs> uh, there's something that I, I would like to highlight just about the Slytherin, not about the other houses. In the other houses, there are pure bloods, but the Slytherin is kind of like the house of the of the pure bloods. Like at the end. We learn about Salazar Slytherin that he only wanted pure bloods to go to Hogwarts. So at the end, pure blood families that are kind of like dodgy, <laughs> I'm going to say dodgy, uh, or blatantly racist, they probably all end in, in Slytherin. They, they do. There's a pride in pure bloods. It's one of the reasons that the Weasley family are so rejected is because... Uh, the Weasleys are pure blood, but they don't really have the attitude of the other pure bloods, and that we want to keep it pure blood in the yeah. family. They're kind of pure bloods by accident. I'm sure if Arthur Weasley, for example, fell in love with the Muggle girl, he would have married. Yeah, that doesn't mean anyway that all the Slytherins are, are racist toward, towards Muggles, or uh, that wasn't what I wanted yeah. to mean. But uh, that's kind of how what it's shown in in Harry. It is Park. what it's shown. It is what it's shown. Um, and I think that does Slytherin a great mis- uh, injustice. I really think we had space in the books for a good Slytherin character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's only a slughorn. And of course, then we have very deep characters like Malfoy and Snape that in the future will go deeper Yeah. because I think they deserve it. They're, but not, they're not bad, but yeah. they're kind of shown to be the evil exactly, ones. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, talking about the Slytherin, and we are talking about about good characters that could have been in Slytherin. Mm-hmm. So, I have one okay. that probably people has... Well, I'm sure that some people have thought about it, but I'm not sure if many of our listeners have thought about this. What do you think about Mr. Albus Dumbledore in Slytherin? I think he's, he's a Gryffindor. He is a Gryffindor. I think he's kind of similar to Harry in some ways. Mm-hmm. He could have done well in Slytherin. Okay. Well, we know that he's... A, at least we know a lot about his... Well, we don't know that much about his youth. But we know enough. We're learning a lot more about him in Fantastic Beasts. That's true. But we know enough. We know that 
well, he was ambitious. We know that he's a genius and other... I think that really Dumbledore could have ended whatever he wanted. Uh, <laughs> because, enough, yeah. yeah. Um, but he had this kind of thing, like, for the greater good and that those kind of, like, sinister things. Um, that was more when he was a teenager, bef even after Hogwarts. Well, after joining Hogwarts, mm -hmm. I mean. But I could have seen him in... Uh, in... In Slytherin. In Probably the only thing I don't see about Dumbledore, mm -hmm. probably I'm wrong, the only see a, I think I don't see about Dumbledore is ambition. I don't see him very... We, we don't see it in the films. He has an ambitious plan. The plan about yeah. the greater good is an ambitious plan, but he's not an ambitious person of, I want to be the... the Minister of Magic, or I want to be the most powerful wizard. Or... I think that's because we mainly know him from his later life in the Harry Potter books. Mm -hmm. But we learn through Fantastic Beasts and other um, information like on Pottermore uh, and things like that, that him and Grindelwald kind of plan to take over the world, basically. Yeah. They plan to make wizards come out of hiding and take over the muggles. And that's a that. little bit ambitious. So that's pretty damn <laughs> ambitious. The only reason that that doesn't go ahead is because of what happens with Ariana and it kind of brings Dumbledore back down to earth a little mm -hmm. bit and, and his plans change. But up until that point, that's what him and Grindelwald wanted to do. Yeah, that, and that's kind of like potential there. Then, of yeah. course... Uh, the Sorting Hat could have seen another thing, but... Yeah. So there, there is the whole thing of not just seeing potential, but kind of seeing the future. So maybe the Sorting Hat maybe sees the future and could see that when push comes to shove, that's not who he is. The same with kind of Percy Weasley. When push comes to shove, he'll prioritize his family over everything. I'm not sure. Because maybe if he would, would have been able to see the future, then he would have seen about Peter Pettigrew. Maybe. Yeah, but he's not going to stop it. That's not what ah, no, yeah, yeah. does. But yeah, we have been kind of like focusing on Gryffindor and Slytherin. It's not that because um, we love those houses or not. It's just because at the end it's the houses that we have more information because they are the two houses that J.K. Rowling gives more information about. But I wanted to shuffle a little bit and go, for example, to Ravenclaw that we have also talked a little bit. Yeah. And have a character that a lot of people doesn't pick as a Ravenclaw. Mm -hmm. And, well, a lot of people doesn't pick her and her father as Ravenclaw. <laughs> um, and they are really well, they really suit Ravenclaw. Um, I'm talking about um, Luna Lovegood and, and about his uh, father, Xenophilius Lovegood. Yeah, I think that um, with Pottermore coming out a few years ago, um, it kind of gave us more of a sense of why they belong in Ravenclaw mm -hmm. because I think from just reading the books and seeing the main Harry Potter movies we're given the impression like I said of like just the nerdy intelligent people going to Ravenclaw but then we meet Luna mm -hmm. and what people don't know is that Ravenclaw is not just about the kind of academic intelligence they are also known for accepting the weird and the wonderful like if you're passionate about something and and you're intelligent in that field they don't care how weird it is well talking about weird we also have Sibyl is a Sibyl exactly. Trelawney Sibyl Trelawney is a Ravenclaw and she's she suits it because she's she's really good at what she does and then for example I'm sure that when the creator of flu powder 
was going through her idea, people were like, that's crazy, but she's a Ravenclaw. And I'm sure that Ravenclaws accepted her for that because they love the the weird and the wonderful. They're actually very accepting. Yeah, no, and, and that's great. And well, that's what you say. They are creative. They are inventive. Yeah. They have that quirky way. And also I want to uh, highlight here that uh, Luna and her father, they work... Uh, both time as kind of like the mentor, uh, not the mentors. They are the mentor of... The mentors, not yeah. the mentors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's difficult because we are talking about Harry Potter. They are the people that explain things. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff. They explain um, kind of like uh, the Harry Potter world building. At the end, we have to understand that Harry Potter is an outsider. Yeah. He's Muggle, uh, well, he's not Muggle, he's born, not Muggle but he's, he might as well have He's Muggle-raised, yeah. because yeah. he doesn't know Muggle anything race. about the Muggle world until he's 11 years old, yeah. 10, 10 years yeah. old. And Luna Lovegood is the first one that talks about the Threshstiles and why Harry can see them yeah. because of the... Um, well, because of uh, Cedric, Cedric's Diggory's death, Se yeah. that we also will have to talk about Cedric. And then we have Xenophilius, that if it wasn't for him, probably we wouldn't know what the Delhi Hallows are, mm -hmm. because he's the one that sees the symbol and the one that... Well, the one that wears the symbol yeah. in the, in the of wedding the Hallows, yeah. uh, of the Delhi Hallows, and then the one that explains. So I know that... They are kind of like teachers in some way. Yeah. They are two characters. All their sources of knowledge, which yeah. is very Ravenclaw. Which is very Ravenclaw, exactly. Uh, another Ravenclaw is Fleetwick, but again, not, not much to say. He's just the head of the house. and I love Professor Fleetwick. Oh, yeah, no. And, and he, to be honest, Fleetwick is more fun in the movies. Yeah. When he does his quirky things and all that stuff than probably in the books. I but... think I read on Pottermore somewhere that um, when any of the Ravenclaw students were sad, he would like make little dancing cupcakes for, for them. And I'm like, that's so adorable. That's very adorable <laughs> and cute. Yeah. And yeah, I was talking before. Cedric Diggory. Sorry, it's because Cedric is because the C is how it's pronounced in Hard Spanish. Spanish yeah, and Spanish, because yeah. I'm used to read it in that way. But yeah, we have Cedric Diggory which is a very kind of like in-between character because once we know more about him, ev everyone could think that maybe he could be a Gryffindor. I could see it. Um, uh, he's a very brave character. He's Also, he could be a, a Ravenclaw because part of we know is kind of like he's the 10 out of 10 of his generation, of yeah. his age. Yeah. He's very popular. He's smart. He's good with Quidditch. Because I think he even defeats Harry in the in the book before, in Azkaban before it happens all the Dementor stuff. Or he, I honestly have forgotten. Yeah, well, <laughs> or or he or he's a good opponent. Yeah, Maybe no, he doesn't he's kind of him. like a golden boy. He's kind of good at everything. Exactly. He he looks like a golden boy. Um, he almost fits in everywhere, but in Slytherin probably by. Well, I th I could see some ambition in him. I think. There's... Well, at the end, there's ambition if he, if you opt for the three wizard tournament, yeah, yeah. right? But I think there's one key trait that kind of solidifies his place in Hufflepuff. Okay. So the Hufflepuffs are known for not being boastful. Boastful, you mean that this person... Kind of show off. Yeah, they, they don't want to show off. Yeah, so like the, I think I read somewhere that, you know, there's a lot of Hufflepuffs that could even beat Ravenclaws in some grades, but they don't show off about it because one of the Hufflepuff traits is not to show off and not to be boastful. Oh, so, okay, so, and, and, well, he's not like that. Also, 
you can kind of see how uncomfortable he is in the movies about you know when people the students are wearing the the badges that say that Harry sucks or something yeah. like that. You can see how uncomfortable. We also can can say that he is pretty loyal. That you before said that it's also a very common trait because they are good friends and loyal. The Hufflepuffs. You said well. You said that it's a very common trait, and we can see that. So Harry tells him about the dragons. Mm-hmm. And he feels that he has to return it. Yeah. Other character maybe wouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. but he feels that he has to return yeah. that favor that Harry does at the first yeah. time. So he uh, tells him about the 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 egg and put it in the yeah, water. Even to his own detriment, really, because he knows by telling Harry there's a chance that Harry would get an edge. Yeah, but then at the same time, we get to the end of the fourth book not uh, to the graveyard, before the graveyard, to the last uh, trial. And we have that he also wants Harry to pick up the yeah the, the trophy. Yeah, there's a sense of fairness to the, to the Hufflepuffs, mm-hmm. I think. Um, because if we look at the, the three other houses, so Slytherin's pretty ambitious. I really couldn't see a Slytherin doing that. Ravenclaw- I don't see definitely Malfoy doing that. Yeah, Ravenclaws are the same. They're quite competitive. Usually more academically, but I would say even here they would they like winning. And then Gryffindors are kind of seen as the kind of jock house, and especially when it comes to sports like Quidditch, they can get very competitive. So yeah. I, again, you'd wonder if um, if Harry would have done the same for Cedric. Probably not. No. Well, the thing is, like Harry's Harry. Like we can think about other characters. We 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 have to think about other characters. Like Harry is. With his flaws and everything, he's done like he doesn't have anything bad on himself. Yeah, you know. Would Oliver Wood have have given no, Cedric or, the no, or Ron? If you leave it to Ron Weasley, Ron Weasley uh, or the or the twins, they wouldn't have done that. Talking about twins, see how well I connect that, everything. That was a really yeah. good segue. Well. That, talking about twins, most people think that think sorry that siblings they go to the same house. Because, of course, we have the example of... All of, of the Weasleys. Uh, all of the Weasleys, of <laughs> course. That's a good example. Or we have the example of, for example, Colin Creevy and his brother. They yeah. both go to Gryffindor. And then, for example, in the movies, we have the twins, uh, Patty and, and Padma Patil, that they go Parvati. to... Parvati, yeah. yeah. Parvati and... Uh, sorry, Patty and Selma are from The Simpsons. Wrong <laughs> uh, twins. Wrong twins. <laughs> Padma and Parvati, uh, in the movies, they go to Gryffindor. Yeah, the two of them are in Gryffindor in the movies. But to be fair, in the books, Padma goes to uh, Ravenclaw. Which I think would have been nice to see in the books, because it is really given that impression, or not in the books, in the movies, that, that we get that impression that basically if you're brother is in Gryffindor, you're going to go to Gryffindor. Obviously, by the time the cursed child comes around that idea out the window but what we grew up with was kind of that assumption as well it's not in the course child is not that out of the window until they explain it to you Mm -hmm. uh for you that uh, the people that hasn't read or gone to see the play the course child uh the course child is the eighth book of the saga we could say uh it's kind of like more a a play yeah yeah and um in there one of harry's uh sons he goes to Slytherin. So it's it's the... Uh, who is? Um, 
Albus, 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 such weird names, really, <laughs> Harry. Um, he is the one that asks his dad or Harry what would happen if I could be in Slytherin, right? And then he ends in Slytherin. He, he was a little bit afraid because at the end, his older, his older brother, he was in Gryffindor. He was in Gryffindor. But yeah, even people from different families, it is shown that they can go. Yeah, and I think it was kind of nice that Harry's child landed up going to Slytherin because I think that's kind of the start of giving Slytherin a bit of that justification I felt that they weren't getting. Um, because, you know, Albus Severus is a very sweet child. Very, oh, yeah. very kind of quiet. <laughs> so I, I was kind of looking forward to maybe them expanding that to kind of show why he's in Slytherin because when you first meet him anyway it's he doesn't kind of scream Slytherin to you in fact maybe his older brother probably would have screamed it a little bit more than him well, at least how they portray them yeah. but yeah but yeah it's nice to see the next generation continue and it not just be oh everyone's in Gryffindor again no and and that's good and that's that's one of the things I think we are missing more at the end uh we have, of course, a lot of people from Gryffindor. We have people from Ravenclaw, like Luna. We have Cho part Chang Cho, well. yeah. We have part of Cho. I was. Uh, we have, of course, Cedric in. Um, in half of above. Hannah, Hannah Abbott. Hannah Abbott, I think is. No, no, Hannah Abbott is half of Justin is 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 half of. Uh, but then, for example, for the teenagers, the teenagers, I mean, Harry's generation. We don't have a good character from Slytherin. Yeah, there's no kind of friend that they have. From friend or, or whatever, or someone from Slytherin that in the last battle says, oh, I'm going to join you. Yeah. No. They're just all told to go to the dungeons. Yeah, well, they are told to go to the dungeons or they are Death Eaters, like, I don't know if Crab, Goyle. Crab and Goyle. Uh, yeah. Malfoy. Uh, Blaze. Blaze, Savini. Yeah. So at the end, it's kind of like that. It's... It feels in that way that there was no one could that could break, you know, the kind of like the stereotype for yeah. the Slytherin. Um, that that's also a thing that the houses are. Houses are big stereotypes. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, of course, uh, is what I was saying at the beginning. It's kind of like the horoscope, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I, I'm not a huge horoscope believer, uh, but I know that there's a lot of people that okay, you were born. Uh, under these circumstances so you are a Sagittarius and you have this kind of like this personality yeah yeah um, it is quite similar when you uh, but it. but it's kind kind of similar the house is kind of like that of course as we were talking there are a lot of characters that just play mm -hmm. in the middle and they are really confusing for me one of the most confusing ones for sure is the first one that we were talking about this Peter Pettigrew mm -hmm. but then there are others again we don't know much about them but I'm not sure if the Marauders would have all of them belonged into Gryffindor by their personalities. Yeah, I mean, you can see how much they value friendship. So, you know, you could argue Hufflepuff, you could, their bravery is very Gryffindor. Then you have characters like Remus, for example. You could probably see um, an argument for him going to Ravenclaw. Um, James, you could see in Slytherin. Well, no ja James was kind of like a jerk, or at least <laughs> what we know about James. Yeah, so like even Lily Potter, not a marauder, but um, like you could see the argument a bit like Hermione of, of her being in Ravenclaw. She was known to be um, a very bright student, um, loved by all her teachers. Mm -hmm. um, 
and she she was also um, friends to outcasts like Snape, so you could also see her in Hufflepuff. Yeah, I never thought about her to be honest like that. Yeah. I, I never went deep into Lily. The main problem of uh, Harry Potter parents is that we don't know much about them. The thing we know about James usually is because of what Sirius tells, what Snape remembers because of his memories, but we don't know much about James. And then we don't know much about Lily, neither. Mm -hmm. uh, probably about Lily, we know less. We know that, that Harry has her eyes. We know that no one has said anything bad about her apart from Petunia, but, you know, Petunia Sisters. is Petunia. Yeah. But no one has talked very bad about, uh, about Lily. And if you think about it, it makes sense what you are saying. She... Maybe could have been kind of like a wild card. Yeah, I, I, you could really, for me, see Hufflepuff because she just seemed to have this way of kind of touching people's hearts. Like you, you see how upset Slughorn gets when he has that memory of his fish Francis that Lily conjured up for him and Francis just not being in the bowl anymore mm -hmm. the day Lily died. Like you can see how much that affects him. She, she really had this way with people, I think. And that, that could have been a Hufflepuff, because Hufflepuffs <laughs> are really the... The good friends. The, yeah, the good friends, the ones that are... You could be a Hufflepuff too, like, for <laughs> because, you you know, you are yeah. therapists. Therapists <laughs> will be Hufflepuffs. I don't know. I, I don't know about that, but I, I could see the, the argument for it. But that that's what I keep saying. Everyone has potential to be in every house because we all have all of these different traits. But it's about the ones we value. The people who like to say they're in Ravenclaw, like me, are people who in who value invention and creativity and and intelligence above all else. If mm -hmm. I valued bravery and chivalry more, then I'd want to be in Gryffindor. If I kind of wanted to be, like you said, when you were younger, kind of the dark, edgy, kind of oh, yeah. selfish, uh, ambitious type, you'd want Slytherin. And then if you kind of just want to be the more chill friendly, loyal, hardworking people, you're going to really love Hufflepuff. Yeah, and that, and that's also an interesting point, what you were saying, um, that I never thought is like, I, I know that I was the one that said it, mm -hmm. but I never thought it until I hear it from you, is that, yeah, on my teenagers, I would have said, oh, yeah, the edgy, the bad guys, the badass, Slytherins, you know. But if I think nowadays, probably I would think, oh, probably the best way would be Ravenclaw, the one that suits me more. Yeah. So because values even, even change over time. Exactly. So probably houses are not that strict. Yeah. When you think about all that. Yeah. Because if you you even look at it, when the books first came out, it was everyone wanted to be a Gryffindor or a Slytherin. But sure. Our generation was the generation that grew up with Harry Potter. And the more that um, the world has expanded, like I remember the first few years that Pottermore was active, uh, Ravenclaw kept winning the House Cup because so many of us decided that actually we really want to be Ravenclaws. So you can kind of see how that those values have changed as this generation has grown with it. That That's really interesting. So probably you wanted to be one thing. Yeah. You wanted to probably land up being the good guy at, at first when you're very young because everyone wants to be the hero when you're young. Oh, yeah. And then you get to your kind of 
more uh, ambivalent teenagery stage where Slytherin's the the you know, odd you, one. You the, play, the you play GTA. Cool. You always take the the. You listen to my chemical romance. Yeah, you you play fable and you go to the chaotic way. You yeah. don't go to the good way. Yeah. You do that kind of stuff. So yeah, you sweet on Slytherin. Yeah. And then you kind of, I think your late 20s early 30s you kind of start to come into yourself and really know yourself and then that's i think that's the best time to choose your house and now that you say that that's another point uh i think that i'm not sure if it's dumbledore and i'm not sure now if it's in the books or it's kind of like in pottermore but it is said that uh albus dumbledore really thought that the um, the sorting hat ceremony was doing was being done too early I, and i think he's right. like because at the end 11 years old probably not that they don't have personality of course everyone no. has a personality since you are born everyone shows different personalities but what is really important in this case is that how he emphasizes that your personality changes and yeah, grows. Yeah, you grow. Everyone's continuously growing. And especially in your like first kind of 25 years of life, you're constantly evolving and changing and growing. And especially if you think in the, in the magic world, because if we think about it, wizards, mm -hmm. they have been raised by their family. And they, they, once they start having those relationships, those social relationships and all that stuff, is when they go to Hogwarts mm -hmm. when they are 10 years old yeah. or something like that. So they start growing yeah, and Ma all that Malfoy, stuff. Malfoy, I think, is a great example of that because he kind of grows up with that sense of entitlement of the purebloods and being from a really powerful family. And he kind of feels like he has to go down that path, but then he kind of he makes friends. And there there's always this kind of air that, yes, he hates Harry, but he also is kind of jealous, but also kind of admires him. And then you get to that scene um, where he's standing in front of Dumbledore at the tower and Dumbledore tells him you don't have to do this. And you can tell Malfoy doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But it took him like seven years to yeah. realize. Yeah, and at the, at the end we learn from the cursed child as well that um, he doesn't bring up his own child Scorpio with that mentality of purebloods and dark uh, magic and all of that he he goes away from that you kind of if of all the characters i think Malfoy is the one that evolves the most over the books and movies yeah yeah no i i could agree i could agree i know that there's some people that says that he he doesn't evolve that much i don't know which kind of book or movies other people have read but, <laughs> but by the but no everyone has their own yeah, opinion but yeah. on my opinion i really think that Malfoy is one of the ones that yeah. evolves more but Probably that we should leave it for another episode. Yeah. I, again, I think Malfoy is another character that that would be great to really deep dive into. Exactly, exactly. So almost to to finish, mm -hmm. if you could have to take a character that says this character is the pure portrayal of their house, mm -hmm. you know, like this guy really, really belongs in Gryffindor, or this guy really, or girl really, really belongs in here and mm -hmm. i couldn't see them in another house of course we are talking that all of them have their small yeah, yeah. other houses but if you would say oh the sorting hat did it perfect here mm -hmm. who would you say neville longbottom neville longbottom yeah huh, a lot of people would say that maybe he could be a hufflepuff because of plants 
<laughs> because of plants. No, like he do he does have the kind of quiet, friendly air that you associate with Hufflepuff, but um, I think Neville Longbottom is a pure Gryffindor. He is brave. He sh you see his like sh his very kind of English chivalry come out when he's like dancing with Ginny at the Yule Ball oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, of course, as we see in the, the first book, there's nothing more brave than having to stand up to your friends, which he does constantly. Um, he's very loyal. Um, I, I think I was on Facebook recently and I saw, I, I always follow all these Harry Potter pages and someone pointed out that no one actually tells Neville that Sirius is innocent and he shouldn't you know, be captured and put back <laughs> to Asgard. But he trusts Harry so much that when Harry says that he needs help or, well, Harry never says that he needs help. What it's insinuated uh -huh. that Harry needs help, Neville just goes. That's Neville, true. Neville I think knows. I never thought of that. Yeah, no, I think Neville is is a wonderful uh, Gryffindor and I think that's why it was really nice that they put in that he gets to wield the sword of Gryffindor because he is a true Gryffindor. Oh my god, that I don't, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> no, you don't want to give it a go? Um, to be honest, I was thinking, I probably it's because Gryffindors are the one that we get more shown. Yeah. I was thinking on Ron. Like, I could see why Ron wants a little bit of ambition because of, you know, he has been always shadowed by their his siblings and then uh, by Harry, of course. So mm -hmm. he's a shadow, so he wants a little bit of ambition. But at the end, I think that he's a very brave and courageous. Ron is nothing else than kind of like mediocrity. Mm -hmm. He's not great at anything. But he's a great friend. He is great at being Ron. He's great at being Ron. And I think he's a great friend. Of course, he does things that maybe can be seen as wrong. But at the end, you have to think that probably for me, Ron is kind of like the most human of all of them. Yeah. Because all of the other characters have personality traits that you can see only in books mm -hmm. or in stories. But Ron is kind of like that character that tries, <clears throat> that is not always doing his best he is lazy he yeah. but but he, he slips up but he realizes his mistakes and and, and he's really good at heart and he hates spiders and he will <laughs> go to the forest of spiders with yeah. you and of course he had the he has the moment when he lives in in the deadly hallows but we can always say that he was kind of like impacted by the the horror the, by the horror crocs and all that stuff so Plus, ron had a out of the three main characters, probably had the most to lose. Yeah, yeah. And I agree on that. So I think that Ron is a true Gryffindor. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be my bet. Then probably there are other characters. That, of course, most of the Slytherin are... They are Slytherin. They are Slytherin. <laughs> I don't see Crave and Goyle in... Well, Crave and Gold, they are very loyal to Malfoy, so they could be Hufflepuff, but they are boastful, so I don't see them in Hufflepuff yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know, I don't see a Snape in other plays. Yeah. Although he's brave, but I don't see him in other plays, right? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, my bet, because I think that you have explained perfectly with Neville, but because Neville was taken by you, <laughs> I, I could go with uh, Ron. I think that Ron is kind no, of No, like... I, I would agree. I think Ron is a really, really good Gryffindor example. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. 
we've rambled on for uh-huh. long enough now, I think. Yeah. I'd be really curious. I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree or disagree with some of the comments we've made. So like we said earlier, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us on our Twitter page at NerdingDeep. And we'd be happy to get into some internet um, arguments with you. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And also we hope that uh, our comments at the end, we know that we have been rambling, but that this was kind of like the kind of conversations going deep into the houses and how uh, sometimes we portray some characters, but their personalities are not exactly the personality of the house or sometimes are in the middle between two houses. I hope that we have made you think and maybe you think, Oh, I thought I was a Gryffindor, but now that this guy says this, <laughs> maybe I would be other thing or whatever. Uh, we hope really that you have enjoyed and we would be more than happy to listen to your thoughts or read your thoughts. Also, let us know if there's any characters that you'd like us to deep dive into in the Harry Potter universe. We've already mentioned Snape and Malfoy would be quite up our list. But if you had any other characters that you wanted us to talk about, let us know. Now I think it's time to retire because for those of you who don't know, it is very hot in Ireland right now and we are not used to it and I think it's time for an adult beverage. Yeah, and I'm melting. You're melting. Thank you everyone for joining us. This has been our episode two of season one of Nerding in the Deep. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.